What's up, everyone? Welcome to YouKnowIGotSoul.com, podcast number 12. This is Tom, a.k.a. Slam, a.k.a. the R&B lifestyle expert, as your host this time around. I just may have that nickname on the spot. But I took Kyle, a.k.a. Buddha's spot for the, as the host. How do you feel about that, Buddha? Well, Ed's not in today. Ed uh, is not going to be joining us on this podcast. I'm not sure what he's doing, actually, but... He's from the south. I'm from the north, so gonna have to fill in for him today. So you can be the host. And as our good friend Ed always says, Leia. <laughs> <laughs> we also got Barry with us once again. Uh, commuted from the uh, Brooklyn satellite office today. I survived <laughs> podcast number ten, and I'm back. And we've also got a special guest with us. Chopay from the UK. He's been a contributor of ours for years now. Welcome. Hello, world. Here to give my perspective as a UK R&B fan. Let's do it. Just got to admit, we've been pronouncing his name wrong for about four years now. We thought it was soap. So, okay, we thought he was. We thought he was so fresh, so clean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, better late than ever. So, as your host, I'll be going into the first topic. I just kind of came up with these today. I didn't tell anyone about them, except for you, Chopay, so you're a little prepared. I didn't want to throw you into the fire right away. But the first topic, think about this. Currently, who would you guys say is the king and queen of adult R&B at the current moment? And the stipulations are... It has to be someone who's been releasing music consistently. So Stevie Wonder is out. Shaka Khan is out. But in this current moment, I want to hear from each of you. Who would you consider the king and queen of R&B? And um, also, adult? A Beyonce, adult yeah, adult R&B. Beyonce doesn't count either because she's making music for younger people. Huh. Okay. Chopin, you go first since you, you knew about the question. Okay, um, for King, I would probably say Anthony Hamilton and maybe to a lesser extent Tyrese. And for Queen, oh my goodness, I would. <laughs> and for Good Queen, I would go for Legacy. Good picks. Although I don't mm. know how Tyrese came into the mix, but he just kind of. No, I know. That's what I said to a lesser extent because he did have a, a huge hit with Stay and. Nothing on you and our shame at the moment. So, to a lesser extent, Tyrese. So, Tyrese puts out two hits and all of a sudden he's just surpassed R. Kelly. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot uh, about him. I was going to say, uh, I go ahead, Chopin. No, because I forgot about R. Kelly's recent stuff. <laughs> I forgot about Arkley, though. I will say he might not count since his last album was so so much younger that to me that disqualifies him a little bit. But go ahead, Kyle. Well, I was gonna say R. Kelly, but since you eliminated him, that changes everything. I will say that. Well, I mean, I think what we have to look at is when you're defining adult R&B. Um, for R. Kelly's last album, who do you think was buying that album? Do you think it was the youth, or do you think it was his long-term fans? Long-term uh, fans. Long fans, but they were playing it on hip-hop radio. They didn't play any of his singles on adult radio. 
I'm just I'm just curious because do you think his long term fans were liking that music that he was putting out, or do you think they were just buying the CD out of loyalty? You're going on a tangent here. This is another. No, I'm just, asking, I'm just asking. Loyalty. Yeah, I'm part of the youth, and I wasn't here for that album. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, I would go with if if we can't choose R. Kelly, I guess I'll either go with. Kim or Charlie Wilson? Yes. Of the male? Oh, good, good choices, actually. Yes. Okay. And then the female, Jill Scott. It's a good pick. Is that fair? That's a good That's fair. Okay. Barry? Uh, Kyle took both of mine. Uh, definitely going with Charlie Wilson. Uh, the latest album has been great. Um, and, and to give props, I mean, he's almost two decades in. Two. Yeah. I mean, you started off with as a solo artist. Yeah. As a solo artist, but I mean, his contributions, you know, in the late eighties, you know, and, uh, even throughout the nineties, I mean, he's just been there. Um, even to the younger generation, I think you take, you take your hat off to that too. But Jill Scott, I was also going to say for the women, just because I've, I've listened to her latest album, but, um, while I was listening to her latest album, some of her older stuff was playing just through iTunes, and it just dawned on me how she has put out something to continue to not only uh, keep her mature, you know, older fans happy, but something that the younger people can relate to, positive, good feeling music that they can relate to and want to purchase as well. So, I think that my opinion, you guys named them all. I think for me, it would be tie between Charlie Wilson and Kim and for women it's Lettucey or Jill Scott which is kind of crazy and leads into my next topic most underrated artist in R&B Tank used to carry that title around fairly or unfairly but it's like Kim never gets any mainstream attention yet he just keeps selling albums and going on tour nationwide and selling out same thing with Lettucey Jill Scott's kind of more of a celebrity Charlie Wilson obviously huge but when you think of underrated in R&B who comes to mind um, are we talking ability or the albums that we no out? just uh, no just any okay. define it however you want I would say Life Jennings is one he doesn't get enough yep. he doesn't get enough talk I feel um, and I would also say because I really love his new album, Kenny Lattimore. I don't feel people speak about him enough. And let me think of a female. Who's a female that I feel doesn't get enough props? Hmm. Um, Leela James, definitely. Mm. I know R&B Divas has helped her out a bit, but I still feel... People don't really talk about her as much as they deserve because she has really good music and she's been consistent. All her albums are really good and she's a great live performer too. Remind us how old you are. I'm 20. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you're listening to um, James. Wow. Impressive. Wow. <laughs> good Actually, music. You know, I, think, I think one person who uh, I find underrated is uh, 
Raheem Devon just based on the numbers that he's able to put up versus just the, I guess, the attention that he gets. I don't know how much attention he really gets, but when you look at the numbers and just the music that he's, it seems like a lot of people love him. But, I mean, no one talks about him that that much. I agree. I feel like um, after the Love War Masterpiece, attention kind of just went down after that. don't know why, but I just feel like after that album, it kind of, he just kind of simmered down in that aspect. I don't know why, but because he left I like all his albums. Because he went independent after that label, after that album. Uh, well, I didn't know that, so that makes sense. Barry? Um, I'm going to say a couple names that because Kyle, Kyle's hitting it on the head. I mean, Raheem Devon, easily. Um, but, you know, I also, when I said, like, I, that's why I actually ability and, and consistency as well, because um, I feel like Jamie Foxx, because of his... Oh, as, what? Wait. What? <laughs> he, the ability that wow. he has overall, I think it gets overshadowed by the fact that he is an actor. And... For whatever reason, he feels he has to make music for the younger crowd instead of making albums like uh, Unforgettable. Like, those albums were, like, incredible. But you're not getting that anymore. Um, Women-wise, she hasn't put out anything out lately. Um, But uh, Alicia Keys. Wait, Alicia Keys? Wait, wait, what? (laughs) Alicia Keys. (laughs) I don't think I think she oh fell under the radar. Like, like I was just talking to you. I asked you, you know, about it or whatever. But we, we, that's not somebody you bring up when you talk about like artists anymore. This is one of the biggest superstars in the world. Exactly, she's one of the biggest R&B stars we have. <laughs> but when you talk about R&B to people, that's not a name that pops up. You hear that, like you said, you had to disqualify Beyonce. Like, that's ridiculous because the artist that that are like Alicia Keys, who to me never had a bad album, they don't get spoken up. So No, I do I do agree with that. I, I wouldn't say she's underrated, but I do agree that people t- tend to forget her. When it comes to women, they kind of put Rihanna or Beyonce, even though Rihanna's not an R&B artist. But Alicia Keys, even though she has the sales, the awards and the claim, I, I do agree. Not I would say she's underrated. Right, so I mean, that's why, I mean, I should reword it. I don't, I don't think she's underrated. I just think she's forgotten. And a lot of the artists that we talk about now, like Raheem, when he dropped his album, you know, Temperatures Rising got, like, great feedback. And then, like, other albums were dropping, and people, when you start discussing great R&B, R&B albums this year, no one was speaking about, you know, this, this album he's dropped recently. So it's just kind of like, what what are we what are we saying as far as underrated? Because, you know, they're not also being spoken on. But if we're on the topic of uh, forgotten artists and, you know, I mean, to your Alicia Keys point, I think it's also just a different platform for Alicia Keys where I think she is maybe compared to the Beyonce's and the Rihanna's just because she's on that status, like Tom was saying, that mega superstar status. But another artist, if we're on the topic of forgotten and even underrated or underappreciated, and you guys are going to love this. I know, Tom, you're going to love this person, Robin Thicke. Oh, Man. If you think about it... You're killing me, guys. Guy, if you think about it, the guy since the evolution of Robin Thicke has consistently put out 
great songs on Urban AC, on Urban AC has developed a following. He drops a single like Blurred Lines. Everyone loves it. And after that, everyone just seems to hate him. And everything <laughs> off that was trash. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard his new single yet, Morning Sun. That's a great record. And that's climbing yeah, that's up. A the, great that is that's a good song. Good. Well, how but could that be underrated as number one? Blood, the album was no. It's almost what like it just don't matter to people. So that's why, that's, I mean, if you're number one, you think that everyone sees you, but the truth of the matter is, no one's looking at charts but us. You know, the tastemakers and those that. that whoa, whoa, can I stop you for a second? Sure. What? <laughs> if you're number one on radio, that means your song is getting played. Millions of times, and pe- millions of people are hearing it. That doesn't. Well, we're living in a world where radio isn't the the the, the go to anymore. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I, I listened to oh, radio. Oh, let me stop you again. There's charts that show the exact number of people a song reaches per week, but they also are charts that show people getting a million plays on Spotify within a week. Millions of plays. Like, so I just think you have to change gears and all, like, what's forgotten. Because even though songs are playing a lot on the radio, that's not necessarily just a, from being voted. It's a lot of statistics that get played into why they're being played so often. So, I mean, just your name alone makes you want to get played. No. <laughs> what's the last Barry, time you listened to the radio? Tom? Barry is two for two in the controversy of podcast category. This for another. This is that's for another. This is for another podcast. Another podcast. Just so remember that. If later. Ed was here, he'd be giving out a, a great big good lord right now. <laughs> I know it. Buddha, that's your job. Good lord. So anyway, back to Robin Thicke. <laughs> I was gonna say he is one. Wait, what? Go ahead. I was gonna say he is one of the more underappreciated artists now. Especially, I don't know if the Urban AC fans still listen to him because. I mean, he's been through so much in terms of the media, in terms of the lawsuit. I mean, Blurred Lines was one of the biggest singles of all time, but I don't know who the who the Robin Thicke fans are anymore. The guy has like two million followers on Twitter, but I don't know if those are all his true fans. So I agree. Right. So then, when you look at the amount of followers he has, look at the success of Blurred Lines, and then you go through all his recent troublings um but then you also take into consideration the music that he's put out in the past everyone's forgotten about that stuff so that's why i think he's one of the more underrated so to counterpoint that how can you say someone who's a celebrity and music is heard by the masses is more underrated than someone like a Tedra moses who potentially has made just as good of music as he has but is not heard by nearly as many people well, I mean, Robin Thicke really just became a celebrity after one song. Prior to that, he would have been labeled as someone that I think a lot of people would have looked at as underrated as well. But you're just like a teacher. underrated now, though. What happened? You're calling him underrated now. Yeah, just due to the fact that everyone's basing him off one song, and they forget about the work that he's done in the past. So when you ask someone on the streets, you know, name Robin, three Robin Thicke songs, I bet you they can only name Blurred Lines. Well, Lost Without You is actually pretty huge, though. That is, but, that is true, but in my experience, a lot of people, and like, this is my, my age, were introduced to him from Bloodline. They will be able to name Lost Without You or Magic or Sex Therapy, even as we're his. But most people only know 
I, my friend actually said, have you heard this new artist called Robin Thicke? Like, no, no, sir, he's not new. He's <laughs> been here for quite a while. But that song was so massive that people thought some people thought he was a new artist. Yeah, but when those, he came out with that. Those people were not R and B fans though. That thought that. Okay, I guess that's fair. That's fair. I guess what I listen to is quite different to most of my friends. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I rubbed Tedra Moses for a reason, though, because I wanted to look at her Complex Simplicity album as our throwback edition for this podcast. And it also ties into an article, so, sorry, Chopin wrote for us a year, was it a year ago? 10-year anniversary? Yes, so, a year ago, yeah. Tell us what makes the album so special to you. Well, I feel that... When it first came out, <laughs> and even as young as I was, and I still had growing steam musically, I just felt it was a very cohesive, very soulful, very solid project. Every song was great, played from start to finish. It wasn't there were stand well, there are standouts, of course, but it's one a very consistent album. And eleven years later, it still holds up well. It still sounds great. It's very timeless to me. And I feel that, and I said in the article, I think it's amazing that she has pretty much based her entire career in following and touring off that one album. But for the past seven years, that's all she's been doing. That's what everyone knows her for. People have been discovering the album over the years, people who may not have been aware of it when she first came out. So I think it's a testament to how good that album is. The fact that she lost the same thing and i think what proves my point about her being underrated is so many who have heard this album consider it a cult classic underground classic i don't think kyle or barry have even heard the project well, I, actually <gasps> heard it. I heard it um uh, probably in, within the last year i finally had a chance to hear it and yeah it's a great album uh very cohesive from top to bottom so yeah i'm, I'm with you guys it's a great album Barry? I haven't um, there you go. I haven't really listened to the album, but I believe there's a single on there, a song on there that, that really connected with me. Yeah, uh was Be Your Girl on there? Yeah. Yeah, so I I, I mean that's yeah. that song was was put together. But um I haven't I didn't I haven't listened to the albums. Well that's your homework. There's your homework. There you go. <laughs> Y'all give me homework every week. You got a lot to learn, youngin. <laughs> <laughs> so a twenty-year-old knows more about R&B than you potentially. Potentially. <laughs> I have to get back to it. I bless you. Um, but I brought up that album this week because Tidra's new album, uh, her sophomore album, officially is coming out in the next couple of weeks. Cognac and Conversations. So we're definitely looking forward to that one. Um, another thing that Chopin has contributed to our site was about three years ago. He wrote an article on the, the next generation of R&B artists, a great article. And I want to kind of do a look back to the article and, and like, where are they now? So it's kind of interesting to see where I think you picked 10 artists and how far they've come since then or who hasn't really panned out. So I'll, I'll just read them off and you guys can provide the commentary. Number 
number the, number eight was Rochelle Jordan. It, it was eight through one. So Rochelle Jordan, anyone have comments? Um, well, she put out a great album, um, 1021 last year. Very good album, very good album. But unfortunately, she hasn't, she hasn't signed to a label yet. But I'm aware that she has been doing shows and touring. And her fan base has been increasing. So I definitely still think she has time to progress in terms of her commercial viability. But in terms of content, she's been consistent because I, I loved her debut album. Number seven was Tanache, who at the time of this article had just signed the RCA at age of 19. And obviously she's taken off. Super taken off. Exactly. Kyle? She, how she's taken off? No, I'm not surprised at all. Um, I think, Tom, you and I, when we first saw Tanache, uh, I forget which music video it was. It was, I think it was Ecstasy, or it might be a little earlier than that. You could just tell that she was a star because, I mean, from an early age, she was already prepared um, from a visual standpoint and also just musically. She was a lot more advanced than a lot of 19-year-olds were. And, you know, she had already built yeah. up a fan base and an image. So, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. It's just really interesting to see where she takes her career from now on. I mean, she's starting to develop a pop fan base as well. She has a huge internet internet following. And, you know, I don't know if the Urban and R&B fans have really, um, you know, connected with her yet. So I'm just curious what direction she goes in for her next project. Number six. Yeah, I agree with okay. that. I think... Go ahead. I feel that she's got a very hipster fan base and a pop audience. She hasn't really logged in with an urban audience yet, but I definitely think she will eventually. Number six on the list, and um, Barry, do you want to speak to this one? That was uh, daily. Um, I've listened to it. I actually listened to his radio on Spotify. I enjoy the sound that he brings, um, and it's also down my lane. I like the. Uh, of course, he had this, one of the strongest falsettos that I've heard from an R&B artist. Um, image is really, really unique, stands out. Um, I'm looking forward to it more. Um, so, Chopin, so how, how big is he? You know, he's from, Daly's from the UK, but uh, he didn't really quite make the impact he was looking to make over here in the US. He got dropped from Republic, unfortunately, after his album came out. How was, it, how was he over there? It's kind of like a similar issue with Marsha Ambrosius. They have a bigger fan base and more of a following in the States than they do over here. So they, that's why, I don't know if you've noticed, the majority of their touring takes place in the States. Like he'll do like a one-off UK London date. He will never do a tour over here. But yeah, so if you ask most people in the UK, they probably wouldn't have heard of him. They may know him from that one song he did with Jesse J a few years ago. But aside from that, you'd have to be an R&B tastemaker and R&B enthusiast to really know who he is over here. So it's the same case with, with Marshall. He's more visible in the States. And I didn't know he got dropped recently. I did not know that. Yeah, we're sorry to hear that because we're supposed yeah. <laughs> Wait, serious question uh, for Chopin and I guess everyone here. Um, you know, Daly's from the UK. Sam Smith's from the UK. Why is it that Sam Smith is massive and, you know, Daly is not massive? Very good point and i'm happy you brought that up because i actually thought about that once it, i think it goes back this is why i don't really like calling sam smith an r&b or soul artist because as far as i'm concerned he's a, a pop adult contemporary artist with soul undertones daily you can like if you listen to his music it's very much rooted in r&b and soul it's not like he's a pop artist 
trying to be soulful. He is a more of your core R and B stronghold artist. So it's Sam like Adele, no disrespect to them because I'm fans of them both. They are pop artists with soul undertones. And that's more accessible to mainstream audiences. Whereas Dailies is very much a niche, which is why he's kind of a urban AC kind of artist. So but I do believe that with the, if he got signed again with the right team, if he tried putting out something more poppy, I think it could definitely work for him because he does have a very unique look. He has a very alternative look. And if we're going to bring Raisin to it, he is a white man. So that also could work in his favour. So that's why I think... Why don't want him to do that, though? I like him as he is. <laughs> but I think he could, if he wanted to, have the Sam Smith level of success. I don't think it's really... Um, you can really compare the two simply because one was backed by Disclosure, whose following has just skyrocketed, you know, production-wise, in that whole, like, pop lane. And once you... That's that's production is huge. I mean, you're comparing somebody who has, um, you know, the disclosure back and compared to someone who who does who doesn't. And anything they've touched lately has been gold. The remixes, the originals, and the song was also was it out three years before Shope uh, before it came to the states? Was it like two yes, it was. Years? Yeah. So I mean, he had a jump start before it even finally came to the States, and then when it came to the States, of course, the sound that came, you know, it's out here, it's also, like, equivalent, so it just took off. Um, but like he, like like Chopin said, if I feel if he does give the right production team, and it doesn't even have to be a pop record, I think we're moving towards, like, Tom likes to use the word vibey on me here, and um, I think if he finds that type of production team, he'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think if he liked, let's say, worked with Disclosure, I definitely think it could definitely work for him. If he worked with some of the people that worked on Mary J. Blige's London Sessions album, I definitely think he could. But I think he evidently likes being a niche, soul, neo-soul, urban AC kind of art. I think that's his lane. I don't think he wants to be more mainstream. Well, I mean, to, to counter the argument of him needing to work with different producers, he worked with Pharrell on his last album. He had the single, Look Up. That's true, but as far as I know, I don't think it was really pushed that much. And it, it wasn't, it didn't really tie in with the whole throwback sound that Pharrell was going with, with Happy and um, Get Lucky and Blurred Lines. It kind of was... Once again, a niche kind of song. These are all good points. I mean, good arguments on both sides. I want to move on to the next one on the list. A, a friend of ours, another kind of sad story that hasn't worked out, Mateo. Uh, I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> I was going to say, we haven't really heard from him since. He signed Interscope with Crucial. What do you think went wrong? I don't know. I really enjoyed his music. I don't really know. Well, um, well, I'll put it like this. Um, in a time like right now in R&B, it's hard for a male artist to really you know, get off the ground and get going when making music like Mateo, who is incredibly talented. But you know, the music that he's making right now, it's just not what's in. And I hate to say that, use that phrase because that's industry jargon, but I mean, it's the truth. Um, younger people aren't really checking for that right now. 
It's fair. Mm-hmm. Fair. Number four on the list. I know we're all fans of this guy. In the article, you, you mentioned him as one of the best vocalists to come out in 10 years or so. Can't argue with that. Luke James. I want to start with Barry. Why hasn't he become a superstar? It goes hand in hand with what Kyle just said, man. I mean, beautiful, strong voice. But it's extremely hard for the young male right now to break the industry simply because of the sound that's happening right now. I mean, I'm going over a couple of people in my head, and everyone I can think of has that sound. I mean, that same like age group, uh, Mac Wilds. Um, Eric Bellinger, um, Bryce and Tiller, they uh, party next door. They all have this this same sound, and Luke James is completely against the grain. And I think if he sticks that out long enough, it'll come back and and be in his favor. But you almost kind of ask yourself, how long is that going to take? You know, before that music starts moving in a way that he can he can truly break through. Now, what's going to be the starting point to see what can be done is BJ Chicago the kid. B, B, BJ the Chicago Kids album, how his album sells, how people receive, receive his album, and then if that direction starts to move in the right way, then you'll hear more through. Kyle? Well, I mean, I've always been, you know, I, I've followed Luke since his days in Luke and Q, which was a duo that was signed to the Underdogs. He was a part of that group, and the biggest complaint that I've always had with <clears throat> Luke as a solo artist is strictly the music. And not to say he hasn't put out good music, but I just think the direction that he's been going in for his album and his mixtapes, it's more channeling the Frank Oceans of the world, the Miguels of the world. It's more moody. It's more dark. It's more, you know, the singing is a little different. And I feel like it hasn't really worked out for him. I think what he needs to do is go into that more soulful, you know, world where he's able to showcase his vocals to the right audience, I think surprisingly Luke has a big following from the urban AC fans a lot of them respect Luke's ability to sing and those urban AC fans aren't checking for a Frank Ocean or a Miguel to an extent but they do love Luke and I think he needs to cater to that I think Make Love to Me was a great example of a song that um, I wish would have worked on radio because that was what I hope would go into Um, his album had some great records but it also had some songs that were I think too dark for urban AC fans about you, Chopin. I agree with points of what both Barry and Carl said. Barry's point on the fact that the sound he has just isn't in, like, it doesn't really appeal to the young, mainstream, teenage audience. Like, you have your August Alcinas, you have Eric Bellinger's, you have Mac Wilde's, and Luke's sound isn't really in. And I especially agree with Kyle in the sense that when he did first come out, it was very soulful, very traditional. And I actually wrote in the article reminiscent of D'Angelo and Maxwell. And then later on, his team kind of pushed him towards a more alt R&B, Frank Ocean kind of direction. And I enjoyed the album, but it was kind of disappointing because I knew him as like a soul man. That's kind of how I saw him going down that lane. Because I thought I'd really have Frank Ocean, The Weeknd and Miguel opting that market. You don't need another one like that. And because Luke is obviously light years ahead of them vocally, I think it would be in his best interest to go back to the soul route. But then again, I also would partially blame his team because how, how can you go into a Beyonce and not capitalize on that? And then there were some great songs in this album, 
which could have been bigger hits. Like, I feel like Insane could have been a very good hit for him. I love that song. That could have been a great hit for him. Could have worked. But I think I agree with Kyle. I think he probably needs to go back to more of a soulful route. And I still, to this day, I'm very upset that Make Love To Me wasn't a hit because I love that song to this day. That was a great, flawless song. That should have been a much bigger hit than it was. But I wish him the best, and I and I will always support him. But I think next album, next mixtape, go more down the traditional soul route. But not so much the, the alternative sounds. Well, and then the other thing I would say is that you know Luke is signed to Danger, who is probably one of my favorite producers. I don't know if he's utilized Danger's talent enough. I mean, when you look at especially his album, I don't recall. And I'll have to look back at it just to see what Danger produced on there. But there wasn't any songs that I would say, like, damn, Danger produced that. And when you li- listen to the songs that Danger's produced for Usher and Chris Brown over the years, like, some of that music needs to go to Luke because I think he's a talented producer. And I think Luke needs some of that material to, you know, push him in the right direction. Um, but that's just personally speaking. Number three, you hit the nail on the head with Jenea Eagle. Briefly tell us what it was that made her such a superstar or turned into one. Um, I think a big portion of what's helped her is her embrace from the hip-hop community. Because when her, her mixtape came out about four or five years ago, so got critical claim to spread like wildfire. And then a lot of rappers were asking her to do features or remixes. So I definitely feel that helped a lot of her fan base. And of course, the co-sign from Drake definitely helped her massively. They should do hooks of Big Sean and J. Cole and so on and so forth. So she's, even though she's like an R&B eye, she kind of, she's got, a, she's very visible to the community. Like they kind of like, it's cool to like her. It's not like she's so urbanized or so traditional. It's like she's like a cool modernized chick that you can sort of be down with as well as being an R&B fan. I think her hip-hop fans definitely have helped with that. Number two, uh, kind of just want to graze over him because he's almost like a pop star now. Where he's cha- his sound has changed. He's not making the music he really used to be, The weekend, Unfortunately. So, I mean, <laughs> you could say unfortunately, but he's probably bigger now than he ever was. So, <laughs> Definitely. And I do actually like his new songs, but they're not the reason why I fell in love with him as an artist. But, you know, I'm more surprised this happened, to be honest. I kind of knew it was coming, especially with Earned It and, of course, the Ariana Grande feature. I kind of knew that he, he would eventually kind of become more pop. I kind of see, could saw it coming. But hopefully on the album, uh, next month or two months from now, that traditional what we love about him is still on there. But there definitely will be a much strong, stronger influence of pop and European sounds. I can tell you that for sure. I'm certain of it. And number one, I'm not sure if this was an actual ranking or how you put her at number one, but you had Dawn. What's the ranking? <laughs> <laughs> From Dancy Kane. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I honestly, we haven't really kept up with Dawn because her music is kind of, I don't know. I mean, you tell us where it's gone since then. Okay. Um, so first, I wasn't clarifying. This wasn't a ranking. I just that's how they just came out of my head. <laughs> so clarify that because tonight should be much higher. 
if that wasn't that way. But Dawn, I know why I featured her because since her first album, Golden Heart, she has strayed further away from R&B because before she was kind of like a progressive alternative R&B, but now she's kind of ventured more into electronic alternative, not necessarily pop, but just not really R&B. R&B in terms of her singing style and her vocal arrangements, definitely. And there are some R&B flavors on her new album, Black Heart, which is really good, but it's not really an R&B album. So and she has done well for herself. Like I saw her in London a few weeks ago. She's going on tour. She has a very huge fan base and she has a lot of acceptance from the hipster and pop communities, but just hasn't been signed yet. But she's doing great things and it seems like her new album, well, she's about to announce the third album in her trilogy, Redemption Heart. But yeah, I can see why she hasn't been featured on the site anymore because she's, and I think she's done it on purpose. She's kind of pushed herself away from the R&B fold because she wants to be seen as something else now. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Shopei. Um, obviously, Danny D. Kane had a brief reunion. Um, do you think the reunion and breakup of that group kind of slowed down her m- momentum as a solo artist? Because it seemed like she had a lot of great things going for her, but after that whole Danny D. Kane situation, it's kind of slowed down. I definitely agree. Definitely. With Armoron and Golden Heart, she was pretty much everywhere. I feel like a lot of people were taking notice of her as a solo artist who's doing very well for herself. Great visuals, great performances, great songs. And then when Jenny Kane announced the reunion, even though I was a fan of them, I kind of, even though I knew it would be bigger because they're a bigger brand than Dawn Richard, I was kind of like, wait, no, but Dawn's doing quite well for herself by herself. So why should she go back? And I thought, if they were successful and they were smart and they weren't petty like the reunion was, unfortunately. Because if the reunion was successful, that could have helped her solo endeavour much more because that was the plan, she said, when I interviewed her. She said that the plan was they were going to put the album out and then go back to their solo careers and kind of alternate. So that was the plan. But obviously, because of nonsense, that But I agree. I definitely think it kind of hindered her a bit. Even though this album has done well for her in terms of being an independent artist, it's definitely not to the same extent as Armoron and Gold Palm, which is a shame because it's a really good album. But she's definitely doing a lot better than most independent artists. It's an interesting topic because I was just talking to Kyle about this. It's a similar situation to when Marsha came back to Flow Tree and started touring again as part of the group. Marsha Ambrosius has had a very successful solo career, signed to RCA, put out some great albums. So why would she come back and start touring with Floetry again? And I was wondering, is the Floetry brand way bigger than the Marsha Ambrosius brand? And, you know, what, you know, what made her do this? I'm curious. I what don't know. It's kind, of, it's kind of weird because even now, even though they're going on tour, we don't really know what to expect. Like, I think this tour more is an album coming. We kind of don't really know what's going on. So I kind of was, I was happy because I actually was at the show when the Floresters came on stage with Marshall last year. I was there. So I was very happy to see that. And I was kind of like, so what's going to happen here? But I don't know. I think it probably, mm, I don't know. I think probably the Floresters brand is bigger, judging by the social media reaction, by the pictures and the footage that came out the night of the concert. Marshall's done very well for herself as a songwriter and as an artist. But I definitely think people love her more as a member of Flowetry because those two albums are really great and you know Say Yes 
you could argue is a classic by modern standards nowadays, Getting Late. People just love the Floetic album. And even though she does so well by herself, I think it's just kind of, they're more attached to her being in a unit. That's me. Um, I'd like to also touch base with the uh, the Floyd Tree concept. I, me and Ed probably talked a little bit about it on number 10, but I truly believe Neo Soul is on its way back. And it's there was no better time for them to do a reunion. I mean, with the albums that's on their way out, the albums that have come out, they have all had um, Neo Soul influences. Production is starting to move towards that that production that we heard then, I just think everything really kicked off with when Black Messiah dropped and everybody was like, okay, let me let me go back in and, and make this type of, of music. Or I see that this type of music is selling for someone who didn't drop an album for, for, for 12 years, how long was it? Nine. 19. Yeah, so I mean, you're, you're thinking, it was a while since that album has dropped and when he dropped that album and then all the albums that dropped this year, they all have, everyone's been trying to get back to just making what's good for them. But I, I just think that it, this was a, a perfect time for them to do it. I mean, Ty, listen to Black Rose. I mean, Tyrese's album. They all have that uh, that soulfulness that's coming out. Uh, and I just think that's that there was no better time to do so. And if they're planning on an album, then it's right now is the time to do it. I think you wait no, wait no longer. Mm. But that's the thing, though. Even though Black Messiah definitely, you could argue, helped change the direction and even the rise of Robert Glasper recently, I wouldn't say Black Messiah was really Neo Soul, though. Maybe a few songs, but overall, not really. It was quite experimental and quite different from the Angela's first two albums. I love put it in the Neo Soul bracket, aside from maybe two songs. Well, I mean, you had you had a couple of songs, but what I'm what I'm saying is it kind of it you know was foreshadowing. I mean, when anything comes back, it's always added on to, right? So you had fashion kind of do its thing, and like everyone's starting to go back towards a, a certain style of dress, but this always has tweaks with it. You know, when you have these cycles, I think the new tweak is not going to be so much hip hop based with the next like emergence of, of Neo Soul. It's going to be more funk. I mean, and it's even relevant in hip hop. When you listen to like a lot of the new hip hop albums that are coming out, they mm, have like okay. funk and soul and like everything that's in it. Like Kendrick Lamar's album had that funk and that soul. Snoop Dogg's album had that funk and that soul. So it's just kind of like everyone's starting to move towards that. So I think this time when it comes out, it's going to have that like funk and that like just that bounce is going to be a little bit different. Maybe even Churchy. I mean, listen to Bilal's album. You know, like, so these albums that are coming out are just going to be a little bit more grassroots, so to say, um, with this next uh, movement of Neo Soul. So before we get into Kyle's this or that for this week, he's taking that part over. I want to talk about Jill Scott's new album. Just came out yesterday uh, called Woman. Uh, if you haven't been over to Ed's site to read his review, soulandstereo.com, make sure you check that out. Uh, first of all, the projections on the sales are in. Does anyone want to guess what they think it, the projection is for her first week sales? Kyle, I'd um, love to guess these, Kyle. Um, is it between? No, you go. I was going to say 60,000. 
<laughs> Everyone guess first, and I'll tell you. I'm going to go with between 30 and 50. Between 30 and 50,000. That's, that's a huge range. <laughs> okay, 40. We'll go for 40 then. <laughs> Definitely between 1 and 100,000. <laughs> Seems fair. <laughs> Barry? Um, before I heard the album, I said 45. After I heard the album, I'm saying more like now 62. And the results are in. Wait. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. Um, I just realized Miguel only sold like 45. Exactly. So I'm going to have to bring down Jill to about 45 as well. And the results are in. 40 to 45. Woo. There you go. So I was correct. Everyone pretty much got it right. <laughs> so so yeah. is, she gonna, is she gonna be number one? Or number two? Number three? Uh, no, I think number one who future well this will be number one on r&b oh, next well no, no oh. top r&b future mm. future yeah, might sell her in week two also don't you think maybe yeah i don't know i think future probably will drop after the first week i think well i'll tell you who didn't drop off after the first week oh. it's our boy tyrese <laughs> <laughs> 65 uh, proclaimed savior of R&B. Well, 65,000 this week, and in his second week, I think he's on set to 45,000. That's incredible. That's good. We're not discussing that this time. All right. I'll so tell you the time for not discussing Usher. Oh my. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes after this. This or that. <laughs> All right. To get into. Take it away. Are you ready for this, guys? Let's go. Wait. Yep. Show pay. Do you know what this is? I, I've listened to every episode, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. This or that or another that. Are you guys ready? Amory's All I Have, Ashanti's Ashanti, or Tweet's Southern Hummingbird. Amory. Amory. Ashanti. Oh. I know Kyle's Please. Ashanti. I am going with... Uh, that's a tough one. I might go with Amory. Wow. But I, I did love that Ashanti album as well. Uh, so, pay, so pay, please uh, explain your choice of picking the Ashanti album. Um, all three of those albums are very good. Like, people don't want to give Ashanti her credit, but Ashanti's first album was very good. But Amory's is number one for me because it's just from start to finish. It's just a great, fun, enjoyable listen. Every song in there is amazing. Like, come on, you got nothing like Loving You, Show Me, Flow. Why Don't We Fall In Love is such a great summertime song. Can't Let Go, my favorite song on the album. Just start to finish. I can't really say the same about that with the other two. It's amazing that you knew how good these albums are while you were in the crib. <laughs> Literally in the crib. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I didn't... um hear all of them when they first came out. Well, Shanti I did, because Shanti was obviously a mega star. So I heard hers when it first came out. But Emery, I only heard her out, that entire album about four years ago, and Tweets only about three years ago, before I kind of just knew their singles and a few album tracks. But Emery, I discovered the entire album about four years ago, and I was floored. And I think like this definitely a definitely a two thousands classic, a very underrated classic. 
And I'd say the other two are actually as well. Actually, I would say all three of them are, are quite could be called classics. I would say, especially Tweet's album. Tweet's album's amazing. Yep. All right, the next one. Are you guys ready? Let's go. What name comes to mind when I say early two thousands R and B? Which one? Which one? Uh, do you guys like more? Truth hurts or Blue Cantrell? Blue Cantrell. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Can we throw another name in the mix? Yep. Sunshine Anderson. Or Sunshine Anderson. <laughs> Go <with> Sunshine. <laughs> Glad you did it. Sunshine. Me too. <laughs> Close though. All right. Are you guys ready for this one? Aaliyah's uh, Aaliyah album or Brandy's Full Moon album? Oh my god, this is very hard. <laughs> this is very hard for me. Would you consider yourself a stan of both artists? Yes, more a brandy stan. No, I don't say stan because stan makes it sound like I'm stupid and have no common sense. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. I gotta go brandy. Like, okay. I think, in spite of me being a brandy stan, I probably would go with the Leah album. Barry? Yeah, Brandy. I'm going Brandy. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I'm going. Very difficult. I'm going with um, Brandy. Okay. I'm going with Brandy. I'm surprised by that. Next, next, this or that, guys. Uh, all of us here are, are journalists, reporters. We, we write in one way or another. So are you guys going with the blue pen or the black pen? Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, is it navy blue? It's your, gener- it's your generic blue pen. What? I'm going with the black pen. Is it felt tip or like... No, it's a pen pen. Like... <laughs> Okay, notepad pen. I need all the information first before deciding. All right. Okay, I'm going with the blue one. I'm going blue. Actually, can I, I'm actually changing the black, sorry. I'm going with, I'm going with blue. Hmm. All right, the I very last. I to the track listing of I'm going to Brandy now. I changed my mind. <laughs> that occurred. Wait, hold on. What song changed your mind? I'm just looking at well, like this, nothing, it's not worth it. He is, yeah, forming all the way, yeah. I thought, yeah, forming all the way. <laughs> and Brandy prevails once again. He spent as much time on that question as I did with the pen question. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, very last. We have to bring him up because he gets brought up in every podcast. So here we go. Usher is You Got It Bad or Usher is Burn? You Got It Bad without doubt. Isn't that the same song? Oh, no. Oh, he did that. <laughs> no. All right. So I'm going with You Got It Bad. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll go with You Got It Bad also. Very similar songs, right, Kyle? The original. Shout-outs to B. Cox and Jermaine Dupri. Um, 
I think that's it for the this or that. Does anyone want to do a this or that? No, but Barry wants to do a food discussion. Oh, oh actually, actually, I have one. Here it goes. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Wait, you have oh. one? Yeah, I have one. Since we discussed Joe Scott a bit earlier, um, Words and Sounds, Volume 1, or the Beautifully Human album. So her first two albums, this or that. You gotta go with the debut. Yep. The debut I mean, had stronger the... singles. Um, For me, yeah, I'll go with the debut. I really do love her second album, but I'll go with the debut as well. Her best two albums, for sure, though. Her best work, those two albums. So we're going into the food situation now, Barry? We're going into the food situation now. <sighs> First of all, before I ask, um, where, 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 um, fast food wise restaurants are um, in the UK, Chope, that you enjoy? Um, okay. Wait, <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because hey. I remember a couple of podcasts ago, I was talking about Nando's and Tom and Ed didn't even. Chope, you know yes, what Nando's, Nando's is. Nando's is huge over here. There you go. Nando's there you go. Over here. No one ever heard of that out here. Yeah, I never heard of that. Nando's is huge over here in the UK. <laughs> but um, aside from the obvious McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Burger King, Nando's, what else? Let me think. We have a brand of fried chicken which we love called Sam's Chicken. Don't know if they, you get that in the States. <laughs> Don't know if you get that. Nope. Um, what else can I mention? Um, Wait, are we adding that? Bowser's on. No, we're not. <laughs> all right. I'll cut that out. All right. Uh, all right, Barry. Fire, fire away. All right. So I was going to ask um, between um, Qdoba and Chipotle, but I'm not sure if everyone has no. Qdoba. You get neither of those in the UK. Oh, sorry. That's not the question. All right. <laughs> Let's not keep so, it regional here. We're going global. So we're going place. global. We'd rather go global. Believe Everywhere has at least one of these. Are we going McDonald's or Burger King? Burger King. Burger King. Burger King. You want to know why? Of course. Well, the fr I actually like the fries better at McDonald's. Exactly. No. No. What? No. That's the only thing that McDonald's has that's good, except for maybe the chicken nuggets. All right. Go and on, the apple pie. The apple pie. The apple pie is <laughs> easy. The McFlurry. The McFlurry. That's a copy of Dairy Queen. Yeah, but it's like three times cheaper. We're not giving them credit for that one. All right. You can't just copy something and then make it cheaper. You can't? No. That's you would do all the time. Although McDonald's coffee is one dollar and it's pretty good, their sweet tea is a dollar. Everything's cheap. It's safe to say your insides are begging for mercy right now. <laughs> so is that all we've got? Well, I was gonna say 
Burger King, the reason why I put it above it is uh, there's no burger at McDonald's that matches up to the Whopper to this day. Is that fair? I agree. I've never had a Whopper in my whole life. But you've had a Big wow. Mac, right? No, I never have. you never had a Big Mac? I had a kid's meal. Oh, a Happy Meal. That's about it. Your parents- I, personally love, I personally love my double bacon cheeseburgers at Burger King. I can't comment on this one. <laughs> we always have to end the call with someone being pissed off and appalled, so I guess it's Barry's turn to stop. Say something stupid. Here we go. Oh, man. No, he's just pissed. I never had a Whopper or a Big Mac. I just don't oh. Know. That's... No idea. Well, you'll get used to him. Tom doesn't eat, so. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. So that's pretty much it for this time. Why does everyone give a shout out to what they're working on currently? Chopay, on you start. <laughs> well... I am a student, so I'm currently working on my thesis, my dissertation thesis, but I may be doing some interviews in the next couple months. Won't say the names yet, but there's that. <laughs> Barry? I'm still working on Up Close and R&B. Um, I thank you, everybody who's been following all the all uh, social media sites, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and all that good stuff. I've been staying up extra late for you guys. Um, and thank you for, you know, I got sold for being a part of the growth. Kyle? Well, I just tweeted it out earlier, put it on our Instagram, and I'm about to post it on our Facebook. The R&B draft is happening, I'm going to say, next week. We were actually going to do it today, and then I got on this call, and instead of it being Timbaland and Pharrell on the call, I got Chopay and Barry, so. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to change my mind and uh, go into podcast mode. But next week, we're going to start uh, the R&B draft. The idea, for those who don't know, we're going to have five teams. We're going to have five rounds. And uh, we're just going to try to each pick the best R&B team that we can make up. And uh, I'm trying to get a couple of producers on this. Um, I already have Ed, of course. I got Tom. I'm going to be hosting the thing because I don't want the pressure of picking between Mariah or Brandy. So I'm just going to leave it up to them. Um, got a couple of guests that I'm trying to get into the show as well. One, of course, being our good friend, uh, Grammy-nominated producer DJ Camper, uh, who's worked with Tamar and Elle Varner, et cetera. And I think just just now, uh, Ivan from Carvin and Ivan, who's worked with people like Music Soul Child, he wants to join us on this as well. So from here until next week, we'll see who else joins us. Maybe, maybe Timbaland and Pharrell will as well. So... Um, we have that coming up. I'm really excited about it because I've been talking about it for the last eight weeks. So we're finally going to make it happen. I will say that Barry and Chopay may not be Timbaland and Pharrell, but they're two quality human beings. So there's, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> of course. So that pretty much wraps it up. Thanks, Chopay, for joining us. Thanks, Barry, once again. Ed, we'll catch you next. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Kyle. Over and out. Yep. Turn up.